Doesn't the church building, the sanctuary look nice and the greens that have been up here and the, the new banners, I think it's great. It's Advent season. Well, we just finished Thanksgiving and, and there's Christmas music playing on the radio and we have our church all decorated because Advent is a time we can, we can watch and we can think about the coming of Jesus Christ as a babe uh, laid in the manger. It's also a very... Um, uh, important time and significant time to have on our fifth Sunday, our Lord's Supper celebration uh, because of the Advent and the coming of Christ. We're going to talk about that this morning as we talk about the cradle and the cross. So I'd like for you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 20 and we're going to read verses 17 through 19, Matthew chapter 20. And you may say, well, what does this have to do with the birth of Jesus? And I'm going to share that with you as we come together for our Lord's Supper service, the first Sunday in Advent, and we look from the cradle to the cross. Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 through 19, just a couple of verses. Uh, this is Matthew uh, telling us about the uh, actions of Jesus as he's finished and he's done much of his ministry on this earth and now he's preparing to come to Jerusalem for the very last time. And he's going to give what is called the third prediction of his death. And he tells his disciples, his disciples doesn't, don't understand it, but it's very important for us as believers to recognize what he's saying here. While going up to Jerusalem, Jesus took the 12 disciples aside privately and said to them on the way, this is what Jesus said. See, we are going up to Jerusalem. They're actually down in Jericho and they've got to go up to Jerusalem. The son of man will be handled over, handed over to the chief priests and scribes and they will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked, flogged and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come together on this first Sunday of Advent here in our worship services and those who may be watching uh, on the streaming video. It's a joy to come together on the first day of Advent because we come to begin to think about and to prepare our hearts about the coming of Christ as a babe who is placed in a manger in a cradle. And as we come today also, we're thinking about our, our Lord and his death on the cross and his last supper that he gave in his ministry and how we celebrate that last supper to remind us too that Jesus died on the cross and was raised on the third day. And during this time, we ask that we, our hearts will be open and pliable and, and, and receptive to the power of the Holy Spirit to think deeper and to meditate and to uh, just take to our own hearts in a, in a powerful way what Jesus did for us on the cross. And that we might be able to share with others what the cradle means and how during this Advent season as we prepare when everyone will be rushing around and buying gifts and doing different things and going to parties that we'll be able to pause and simply talk about what the cradle really means. We pray all these things in Jesus' wonderful and holy name. Amen. There's an urban legend about a church 
Many years before, in, in the present day, someone had crafted a beautiful manger scene, not quite unlike the one we have down here on the front on the table. And in that major scene, they had crafted the characters exquisitely and the animals. And there was the cradle. And in the cradle was a beautiful representation of a baby. And this church had received this as a gift. And from then on, many years, they had a ceremony, a worship time, in which they unveiled the manger scene with, with Jesus, with uh, Joseph and Mary and the little baby in the manger. It was the highlight of their Christmas season as they decorated their church and celebrated the birth of the Christ child. They took it and packaged it up very well every year and lovingly put it up in the attic in a special place where it would be protected and it would be just there ready for them to display and share together as a service and a memorial to Christmas time. Until that one year, that one year when they went up to get it and they noticed that some things had been moved around and they brought it all down and unpacked it and put it together and everything was just perfect except for one thing. There was no baby Jesus. There was a cradle, but there was no baby Jesus. The exquisitely handcrafted wooden figure of that baby Jesus was gone. It was a scandal. They all remembered that as the year of the scandal. Who did it? Who took the baby Jesus? They could never find out. So the church got together and met rather quickly and they wanted to know what could they do. Their time of their service was coming up and they had everything just right, just perfect, except for the baby Jesus. What would they do? Well, someone suggested they go buy a baby doll Somebody turned that down. No, we can't have a plastic one. Can we get an artisan to craft it in time? No, there's not enough time. What wood would we choose? How would they do it? I remember once going to Israel and having my suitcase stolen. And so I happened to have a partial manger crash scene, which I gave to my mother. And everybody was there except for Joseph. So she had her manger scene every year without Joseph. And then when I finally got a Joseph, I found a guy actually who would just sell me. You know how hard it is to get somebody just to sell you Joseph from Israel? And I brought it home. And you know what? The Joseph was of a different size than the rest of them. So now she had the manger scene with everybody and a big Joseph in it. So what would they do? They didn't have the baby Jesus. So one of the church members said, well, I guess we'll just have to have our service and our manger scene without the baby. And you know what happened? They got to thinking about that baby in the manger. They got to thinking about what that little figurine represented. And they began to realize that there are several misunderstandings and assumptions that are made at Christmas time about the cradle. Not just in the church, at least while well, the church sort of gets used to it, but out in the world. And they began to think about the cradle and what the cradle meant in the coming of the Christ child. And this morning I'd like to share with you some of those ideas about what happens when we misunderstand about the purpose of the baby in the manger. This is a great time to talk about the baby Jesus laid in the manger, in the cradle, 
and his birth. But there's actually three misunderstandings that, are, that we face sometimes and we don't think about. We don't, I guess, connect the dots. And the Lord's Supper service will help us connect the dots. So there, here are the three things. Number one is that the baby in the manger was condemned to die. Now, that's not a good thought. Oh, this wonderful little baby, this handcrafted figurine that was beautiful and rosy red chubby cheeks and just like a baby to put it in the cradle and then all of a sudden, there it is, that little Jesus figurine, that baby's condemned to death. You see, that wasn't going to be um, the misunderstanding that somehow this little baby, this little birth would bring universal peace and joy, peace on earth and the angels singing, kind of like a magic child. He just is in the manger, so we'll hang him there on, on, the, on the tree as a baby in a manger. He's always there, just a baby in a manger, and we somehow think his birth in and of itself did something super and wonderful and great for people. And if everybody would just get around and believe in the baby Jesus, then everybody would be happy and would be fine. But even in Matthew chapter 2, we learn that when Jesus was born, Herod sought to kill him. And Jesus telling the disciples for the third time, and by the way, have you ever had your mother or father tell you three times? Did you have to have them tell you three times to do something before you paid attention? Jesus tells the disciples this three times. He said there in verses 17 through 18, we have to look at verse 18, basically, see, we are going up to Jerusalem. The son of man, meaning himself, will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes. And what? They won't put him on the throne. They won't all get around and say, oh, we remember when you were a little baby in the manger and you looked all nice and we said peace. Well, no, no, they're going to condemn him to death. The baby in the manger was the son of God who was given to us for a purpose. And we have to stop and think about God's purpose. Why did Jesus come? Why was he laid as a human baby in the manger, born in those circumstances? Sometimes we get enamored by the circumstances. Oh, there's, there's animals around and the, and the wise men come and everybody's all happy and wonderful. No, this child would hang on a cross. And the people of that church began to realize that Jesus didn't stay in the cradle. There's a popular thing called a crucifix. Do you know what a crucifix is? It's a cross with a figure of Jesus hanging on it. Baptists don't have crucifixes because Jesus didn't stay on the cross. We believe God raised Jesus on the third day and he's our risen savior. Guess what? Jesus didn't stay in the cradle. He hung on the cross and God raised him on the third day. But sometimes we forget and we think it's such a wonderful and nice picture. But the Bible reminds us that it was God's purpose for Jesus to be that little baby, the son of God, but to hang on the cross and become our risen savior. The baby in the manger was condemned to die. Number two, the baby in the manger was crucified. Not too many people think about what happened to that little baby in the manger. The people in the church realized that the baby in the manger didn't bring them salvation by being a baby in the manger. That the baby in the manger grew up. 
And he began to teach. He called to himself disciples and he began to teach them about God. Not just about God's love and peace, which everyone likes to think about at Christmas time, but also about sin and the need for his, him to die on the cross and the need for the Savior to come and forgive us of our sins and to pay the penalty. Jesus didn't grow up and have a wonderful life, although that's what we like to watch as a favorite movie for Christmas. Jesus didn't grow up and just kind of go off and die as a, as a world historical figure and a great prophet. He died tragically and terribly on the cross. His sin shed for us. This is what Jesus told his disciples. Verse 19. Verse 19a. Not only will the chief priests and the scribes condemn him, they will hand him over to the Gentiles. Listen to what it says. To be mocked. Mocked. Ha! You thought you were a king. We're going to put the crown of thorns on your head and put a robe on you and bow down to you. And then we're going to nail you to a tree. They beat him with a cat of nine tails. They flogged him. And then they hung him to that tree. That tree that symbolized really the lowest thing of all in Roman judgment to be crucified, to be hung there. He was accursed according to the world. And he deserved that kind of death. But God wanted him to have that death because he paid the penalty for our sins. You know, it isn't wrong to stop and think that baby got out of that cradle and he went to the cross. And that cross was where we should have been hung. But there is no baby any longer in the cradle. But he's on the cross. God's purpose was allow him to go to the cross to give of his life for us that we might have forgiveness of sins, that we might be able to become part of God's family, restored again from the debacle in the garden with Adam and Eve and the sinfulness that we are. Jesus died there to pay the penalty for sin for us. He would be crucified. So it's, it's important to recognize and tell others, you know that little nice baby right there? Well, he was condemned to die by the chief priests and the Pharisees, and he was crucified. And that's what that means. That's why we celebrate Christmas, because it's the coming of the Savior who died on the cross for our sins. But there is a third thing that this church learned, that the baby in the manger didn't stay dead. That he rose from the dead. Look at the end of verse 19. He said, they will hand him over to the Gentiles. This is Jesus who's talking about his own experience. He's going to go in the garden, pray this cup might pass from me, but if not, thy will be done. He's going to be arrested that night. He's going to be taken. He's going to be mocked. He's going to be flogged on the third day. Uh, he's going to be crucified and put in the tomb. And then on the third day, God will raise him from the dead. You see, we go from Christmas to Easter. We go from the cradle to the cross. That little baby rose from the dead. The little baby in Christmas that we hang on the Christmas tree or we look at in the major, major scenes that we see around seems to be etched in our memories at Christmas, much like Santa Claus and Rudolph the Reindeer and Frosty the Snowman is the kind of myth of what Christmas is all about. 
But Jesus, the baby in the manger, the Savior on the cross, the risen Lord, is really the reason that we celebrate this season. You've heard that story before, that line. Jesus, that little baby, was raised again on the third day. It was God's purpose for Jesus to hang on the cross and die for our sins. You know, that's what we celebrate in the Lord's Supper service. We get excited to have the cradle and Jesus and the manger scenes. But we need to realize, too, that that little babe was destined to be condemned and crucified and then risen from the dead. He came back to life. The tomb was empty. We don't serve a dead man. We serve a risen Savior. That's what the Lord's Supper is all about. When we partake of the body, of the bread of Jesus, and symbolizes the body that was broken for us on that cross. When we partake of the cup that symbolizes the blood that was shed for us as the sacrifice that was pure and holy and acceptable to God to forgive us of our sins. We remember that that little baby that was laid in a manger did this for us. During this season, I would challenge us to make sure that we share this with other people. It's wonderful to be in Christmas time. It's wonderful to be able to go and to tell people of the hope that lies within us because of what Christmas signifies. But it's important for us to be able to explain the hope that lies within us. And we can look at the manger scene and you say, that little baby, well, you know, something happened. That church that lost their little baby Jesus woke up not to the way the culture wants us to think, not to the way that the secular views and philosophies are about saviors and redeemers. But they woke up to God's purpose, that that little baby hung on the cross to save us from our sins. And they renewed their, their commitment and their faith to share with people that Christmas time what the cradle really meant. I pray that we'll do the same thing. You received, or hopefully you, you got uh, one of the little cups here. Uh, it's very gracious. I believe that um, Steve, you and Kathy did this little one. Is that right? Or? No. No? We had uh, a regular. Regular. Okay. And then, then they could have a choice. So if you want to use this one, that's fine. Or if you want to use this uh, cup right here, that one's beat up a little broken. I don't, don't want to spill that all over the place. Uh, anyway, here's, here's the cup. There is a, a wafer in, inside, um, and we're going to use the Lord's Supper. So if you get these out, and perhaps if you're home and not able to be with us, you might be able to get some bread and maybe some kind of grape juice or juice in preparation. Uh, at our church, we do this every fifth Sunday. So we have our, our Lord's Supper service. Because of the COVID virus, it's different for us, and we've all learned to do it a little differently through this year. Uh, it's always a very good time together when we're able to observe the Lord's Supper. Jesus instituted that Lord's Supper on that night uh, before he was betrayed, 
And he talked to his disciples and he shared with them what to do. Paul reminded us this, reminded us of this in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. And this is what he says. Paul is writing. He said, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you on the night when he was betrayed. Jesus said that he would be betrayed and condemned. The Lord Jesus took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. So take your bread. You can take this little piece right here and, or the one you can pull the top part off of this and get that one. And let's just give thanks for the bread right now. Gracious Father, we, we thank you for Jesus, the little baby that was in the manger. It seems so terrible for us to consider the purpose and the life of a child that that he would grow up and he would give himself willingly on the cross for our sins. But Jesus did that for us. He knew what was coming. He had predicted three times, Father, the scripture tells us that he would die on the cross and, and, and he did it. And, uh, and before he did it, though, he, he had his disciples to remember this by taking this bread and saying, this is my body. Jesus suffered and bled and died. He had a crown of thorns put on his head, a spear in his side, nails hammered into his hands and his feet. And yet he went to the cross willing to be our sacrifice. Thank you, Father, for the bread, for the body of Christ and what it symbolizes. Help us to be faithful in realizing that our Savior suffered for us and we can proclaim this to the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me, eat ye all of it. Now, if you'll take this little package and pull from the bottom... There's another one for the wafer, but if you pull it from the bottom, we'll get the cup open there. You want to sit it on something. There you go. Okay, you can leave the top on it. Paul said that in the same way, in like manner, Jesus took the cup after supper. That means he took the cup and he gave thanks for it. Let's pray and give thanks for the cup. Heavenly Father, in our culture, in our society, there are people who don't want to talk about blood, about the shed blood of Jesus. They, want, they don't want to see their faith to be based upon an act of love and compassion and willingness that our Savior Jesus did on the cross because not only was his body broken for us, but his blood was shed out of the crown of thorns and out of the nail and out of the spear in his side, his blood oozed. And it was the blood of that perfect sacrifice that was given to forgive us of our sins. No animal could do that. No human could do that. Only the Son of God could give himself. Father, help us never to take this for granted. The little baby that was laid in the manger would give his lifeblood 
to help us to be forgiven of our sins. Help us not to take having forgiven the forgiveness of our sins for granted and act like we can sin willingly and, and boldly and then run to you and simply ask you to forgive us. When we do that, we treat the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross as insignificant and unimportant. Help us to remember that it was the blood of a savior, the blood of your son, the blood of Jesus, God himself, who gave, who gave it to us on the cross. And remembering that at this time, when we talk about the cradle, that we talk about the fact that Christ was raised again after he died on the cross. Help us to remember this. Jesus, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Peter said, I mean, excuse me, Paul said that Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Drink ye all of it. Gracious Father, thank you for the opportunity to observe the Lord's Supper and to realize and remember that we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes and he is a risen Savior and he's coming again. And we say, Lord, come quickly. But we have the opportunity now to share with others the meaning of the Lord's Supper, but also the meaning of Christmas. And as we go through the Advent Sundays, help us to enjoy with anticipation the real meaning of the Christmas day. And that is that the Son of God came to be our Savior that he died on the cross, that he was condemned there, that he was crucified, but that he rose again. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. We're going to ask the musicians to come at this time to help us sing the hymn, Christmas Has Its Cradle. And we ask you to consider what this Christmas means, maybe like the church that lost its little baby in the manger, that we will wake up a little bit and realize what it means that the baby in the manger did and how he can be our personal savior. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and savior, we'd love to share with you what the scripture says about receiving him as your personal Lord and savior. If you're looking for a place to put your roots down and serve together in the church, and we challenge you as we receive church members to come and join with us here during this tough time, but to go out and to help us proclaim the Christ message, the gospel, to the world that desperately needs to know it. Maybe you just need to think about the manger scene and the Advent and the Lord's Supper. And we ask the Lord to give us a renewed faith and fervor in understanding what it really was about that little babe. Not it was a magic child or anything like that, but it was one who came willing to die on the cross for our sins and to be our risen Savior. Perhaps we'll recommit our hearts this Christmas season and be willing to share with others, be willing to invite them to come to worship that baby who became a risen Savior and invite them to know him as their personal Lord and Savior. Let's stand and sing, Christmas Has Its Cradle. 